Everybody and welcome to episode 396 of the Saturn Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my uh, irradiated co-hosts, Peter and Jake. Glowing, positively glowing. Um, we're coming at you this week with the backpack edition of the cast. How many backpacks does a man need? The answer is always one more. <laughs> Just give me another one. I'll survive. I'll find a place for it. I'll put it in my backpack room. Is this a? Is, I definitely. Is this a Tarkov reference? Because, sure. Because if you know anything about backpacks, if you're a backpack connoisseur, by, um, you know Tarkov is the game for backpacks. If by escape from Tarkov you mean escape from my life, then yes. Yeah. The, uh, the, yeah. He. You, uh, you can like put backpacks inside of backpacks, and then little pouches inside of backpacks. I wish. No, we were at a we were at a a function. Yesterday, oh. um, I try not to make these about me. I try to be magnanimous <laughs> with my my absolute non sequiturs, but um, I have to. I had to share this one because we were at a function and they were doing a raffle, and we were just sitting. We we're like me, Kurt, and I, and a couple buddies were uh, sipping on drinks, and um, I as they're calling as they lift the package, the next thing to be raffled is the backpack, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't. Please not be me. I do not need another back. Peter! <laughs> the word backpack had not gone out of his mouth by the time he had won that backpack. <laughs> I was like, you, you could not make it up. I wish Minutes I had later, I would win the much more desirable prize of a $100 gift card yeah. to Hanford. I'm going to buy so much lettuce with that. <laughs> I wonder, I should, I should turn it into a, to a giveaway to our fans. <laughs> yeah. Subscribe and you'll be entered in a raffle for a Swiss gear backpack. Branded by Uline. Pretty dope. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. But uh, yeah, it put, it, put it with your It other is. Backpack. If I didn't have another one exactly like it. Um, <laughs> Where to work? Wear one in the front, one in the back. I've been saying, I've been saying for a long time, front pack is going gonna, is gonna to be a thing soon. I think the baby Bjorn has like started to infect your brain, Jake. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> you're just used, like you're Jake. You're just like, no. Why doesn't everyone have like five different bags for everything they could possibly conceptually need? <laughs> it's worked for me. It's so funny because there are times where I'll be wearing the baby Bjorn and the diaper bag at the same time, and it's like, yeah. wow, I feel like a turtle. <laughs> do you is, wait? Is the diaper bag on your back, or do you have it on your hip like a quick release, just like bam? Oh, I should poop sack. No, it, it's only a matter of time. When he gets more head control, then I'll move to the um. The um, what is it called? The there's like a. Does he like have a, a gimbaled version of the of the baby Bjorn where he has like full gyroscopic control, like a gunner seat? So there's a there's a fanny pack for babies that have a seat built into them, and they just sit on the fanny pack, and you have like so many pockets. It's pretty dope. I just I'm gonna there's gonna be a time where I'm gonna have nothing in my pockets, and it's just all gonna be in the fanny pack, and I'm gonna be like, I get it now. I get it. It's a powerful feeling. The message of the story is get a baby for more pockets. That's true. They come, they come, they have, well, it's they start well with worth one the when investment. you have the overalls. And then they evolve, it go, undergoes pocketosis when they change over to pants. They get two. 
I absolutely would believe Jake to be the kind of dad who'd be like, hey, hey, hold this in your pockets. Keep this in your pockets. Just random crap he finds. <laughs> if the kid doesn't already do it himself, that's the thing. Because you could have one of those, like, those scavenger kids whose who's room just, like, slowly accumulates with uh, mildly interesting rocks over the course of a year. And you walk in one day, it's like, there is, there's a small forest inside my son's room. And uh, yeah. and then you have to then you have to find the squirrels and chase them all out. And um, but always, we're not <laughs> watch out say. for that. <laughs> and as always, we're, we're coming at you live from 1945's Ginza, Tokyo, uh, Japan. So um, oh, it's 1947. Well, you know, it, it ranged. <laughs> it ranged it a, from a lot of different dates. It and, was a saga. Uh, I'm picking one of them. 1945, 46, 47. We're here all the time. And we're going to keep you updated on the development of this little city that was aerated, bombed. Pretty sure it wasn't nuked, but... Um, yeah, I, I believe the implication Totally decimated. It was the, the firebombing, yeah. which actually killed a lot more people than the nuclear yeah, it had a, bombs did. It had the wonderful effect of uh, making vacuum fire tornadoes. Which is, I'm pre- like, if it if it wasn't real, it would be like a Final Fantasy uh, limit break. Yeah, it's the it's vacuum fire fucking... spout. That's that's got to be like a fifth level spell. To make Sixth matters level. worse, Japan had built much of their buildings out of wood and other flammable materials. Did you guys you guys so, you guys remember the bat bomb, right? Yeah. Fucking yeah. my favorite little piece of mm, little morsel of World War Two information where everybody was scrambling to find like the craziest bomb they could and uh we were like what if we what if we stuck little incendiary grenades onto bats and and release them over tokyo and they just <laughs> and then they flew into all these little wooden houses and when we press a button they all blew up <laughs> and then we did it to ourselves and we blew up the hangar that had all the bats with the bombs on them classic there was the was that also the case was the balloon bombs also us or was it them that they were like we'll just put a bomb on a hot air balloon and just float it over the pacific dude that's and clash like, of clans and one and one made it to america and it landed on a dude's house and it didn't explode it's just like oh there's a, there's a balloon with a canister uh, it was um japan uh fugo okay. fugo was an incendiary balloon weapon developed by japan Against the United States during World War II, it consisted of a hydrogen-filled paper balloon, 33 feet in diameter, with a payload of... The Hindenburg ring any bells? It's the in- incendiary devices. Wow. You know, they said, we're going to make our own I- I, uh, ICBM, intercontinent- intercontinental balloon munitions. That's pretty cool, you know? That's dope. I like that. Um, I think. I th- but is it Shaggy 2 dope? I think the uh, I think the Brits were trying to develop like a a wheel bomb or something like that that they could like roll into front lines and just explode it and it was dude it was really honestly World War Two was literally clash of clans. Everyone wanted to make a Ninja Gaiden sub weapon. Like you know how close <laughs> we were to throwing a barrel of goblins at Japan and let. <laughs> 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 but 
But instead, we we released them for Alex Jones and his co-hosts. Didn't you know? That's what that's what Princess Mononoke was all about. Hog Rider. Hog Rider. <laughs> it was better than our idea to throw angry birds at them. Yeah, that one was scrapped pretty quickly when the birds did not agree with it. Well, actually, technically, we kind of did. Were the pigeon torpedoes? <laughs> the pigeons weren't so angry, though. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they were a little miffed, but I wouldn't call them angry. Once they started to realize that this was a suicide mission, then I think they kind of got a little. <laughs> they, they mutinied. <laughs> they pee, They got po'd. They they. They got a they got a little little salty. <laughs> then they then they had a mutiny against the uh, the naval captains that were <laughs> shooting them. So we're t- that's a good Pixar idea. <laughs> yes. Can you imagine? Any, anything based in World War II has Pixar written all over it. Pigeon carrier. <laughs> the pigeons. <laughs> Mutiny against the naval captains, the ones that are directing torpedoes, and then they go escape to an island nearby. <laughs> Off the coast of Africa? Yeah. yeah, we could call it Madagascar. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, no one's ever done that before. It's like a Madagascar type thing. Or that can be the new villains for like a... It's the Madagascar prequel. (laughs) It's a fifth Madagascar movie. (laughs) It explains how the lemurs got their uh, intelligence. (laughs) That's how that plane arrived. That's that plane that landed in Madagascar where they make... Where King Julian, that's his house. (laughs) Oh, that's fucking good. The penguin secrets are... The penguin um, uh, MI5 is founded. You know, right. I bet we would have ended World War II a little bit earlier if we just threw a barrel of goblins at the at the tower and you know, knocked them down. Because that's how that's how it works, right? That's how, yeah. That's how. I mean, works. if I were if I were a general, I would surrender if my opponent hurled a barrel of goblins at me. I can tell you that. See, right where now. Japan went wrong was they uh, they didn't have a tank to front line their balloons. Balloons are very uh, fragile, but they do a lot of DPS. Mm-hmm. So if they had a lava a lava hound. Um, you know, leading the way, they would have been able to tank up a lot of our our air defenses. I, I'm just imagining the B-52 flying over uh, the mainland and drop. You know, on the side, it's the Enola Goblin. <laughs> not as big, not as big of an explosion. The actual Still pilots of the Enola Gay were just the goblins that were supposed to go over. <laughs> They're pedaling in the fucking front seat, Flintstones in it. It's like the South Park episode where it was uh, whales and dolphins that were piloting the Enola Gay and dropped the bomb on Hiroshima. I don't, I don't fuck, think I saw that episode. Fuck you, dolphin! That's why they do all the whaling and uh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was dolphins and whales. That's why they have a vendetta. That makes that makes very South Park sense. <laughs> um. Oh, that's good. And uh, we're going to drop some trailers on you with our segment, yeah. Trey Watch. Our Trey I, Watch I think is, I'm going to go to court for that segue. We do be watching these trays. I'm going to get court-martialed. Um, what do we want to start with? Um, I don't I don't care. <laughs> well, I have Mayhem on my screen right now, so let's uh, okay. talk about Mayhem. Oh, yeah. um, that, that could work. Mayhem, aka there's not a John Wick movie coming out this year. 
Right. We can we can fill a market. Um, this is from the same people who brought you the raid, which is a movie we've done an episode on in the past. Uh, really good action movie. I assume that this will be of a uh, similar ilk in quality. Yeah, it's probably really good. The it doesn't do itself any favors though. Where like okay, it does the it the first shot of the trailer is a hallway shot. You're like oh hallway fight, and that's fine. Like a good hallway fight. But I immediately think of the old boy hallway and how much tighter and narrower that was. I'm like, oh, it's, this one's a hallway, but it's but it's bigger this time. I feel like that <laughs> takes away from the from the spectacle of it. Was that it was in the in the fir- in old boy, which was the first movie that really like really popularized this. It was a it was just packed with dudes like you could not go either way. You like it was a very narrow corridor that he had to like murder his way through. <laughs> and this doesn't give <laughs> this doesn't give that same impression. Um so it yeah, this is just another you know, I'm fine. I'm fine with this. This is just another excuse to have a bunch of fight scenes and I I don't yeah. I I, I need only a thin excuse for that. Yeah, if the trailer was indicative of anything, it's a lot of fighting because there's a, I would say a good eighty um, percent of this yes. trailer is fight. Um, I would expect there to be a lot of fighting in in this uh, yeah. movie about fighting. And I think the uh, the storyline is probably going to be a little uh, thin, but that's also to be expected. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like it's about a guy trying to rescue a little girl. I don't know if he's his little little girlfriend or, or what, but he's trying to rescue this little girl, um, and he goes to little the little girls. girl factory uh, where they are still serialized with little numbers strapped to their blouses, and um, he's like, "Hey, I want to I want to buy a little girl." Um, <laughs> How much for the girl? I want to buy the girl. Yeah. How much for the little girl? Uh, looks like he's, uh, that's uh, a Blues Brothers reference. Go watch Blues Brothers. <laughs> yeah. Looks like he's romping around uh, some Asian country, uh, Vietnam or mm-hmm. something of the sorts. Uh, it's very anywhere where you can drive a Vespa through a night market. Yeah, <laughs> um, if, that's really all you need to be a compelling action movie. Yeah, it's got a neon night market uh, and some Vespas. It's pretty, pretty rad. Uh, I like it. It seems pretty. Pretty cool. Um, we'll it see needs. I wanted to have one really good set piece, one like standout uh, action sequence. Yeah, so far there's if just it, been like hallways and like. If it's all regular, that's fine. But this is there's always a well. Uh, what do you mean so far? It's it's, it's the first trailer. Well, you don't put all the good fights in the trailer, then no one has a reason to see I the don't movie. Know, maybe they do. <laughs> maybe they put all the good fights. So there's. I am imagining John Wick, but the entire trail, John Wick Four, but the whole trailer is just the apartment fight or the the <laughs> uh, the old uh, house fight. Where yeah, with they, the overhead kid, the hotline Miami scene. Yeah. What, what's funny is I've counted two hallway fights and technically three, if you want to hear my argument for um, a technical uh, third hallway. They, they fight on a dock, which you can argue is a hallway without walls. The barrier yeah. is the water. Is a, is a hall not like specifically defined by walls? 
Um, Otherwise, it's just a path. But it, but it, uh, but it accomplishes the same thing. You can't go beyond your limits. Uh, well, your well yeah, sure, life. it accomplishes the same thing, yeah. but so do so do fucking vodka and Hennessy. They're not the same thing, though. I in this in the <laughs> in the fight taxonomy, uh, I would classify a dock as a as a hallway, or you could. You could uh, do a family well, of pathways. No, because fighting. you can't you can't jump off the wall and deliver like punches and kicks like you can yeah. in a hallway on a dock. You can throw people off the and dock. You can't give a another... guy. Yeah, I was gonna say you can't give a guy a ring out in a hallway unless you're really strong. <laughs> <laughs> well, he kind of does this. He does throw somebody through a a, uh, through a, a, a window or something. Yeah, like you that. punch him through some drywall and you have the little feet hanging out still and, and that's all well and good, but that's still, you can't do that on a dock. There's no drywall on a dock. Okay, all right. <laughs> I want him... We'll classify I, it as something else. As long as the main character has a move where he stamps out one of the board, <laughs> the floorboards in front of the, the guy who's about to come at him with a punch and the guy stumbles and falls through the dock and he's stuck <laughs> on his waist and then the main character kicks him in the face... As I punch it, as I punch in the face. <laughs> um, well, I, I appreciate that you didn't try to kick yes. into the camera. <laughs> this the whole setup would have gone gone ass over tea kettle. Um, and I would have said, "Good grief!" No, we, I don't think we're gonna do that one. That's a, that's a rom. That's just a, another rom com with a slight variation. <laughs> what is that slight variation, Peter? <laughs> well. So the t- the the gimmick this time is uh, that the guy's husband is dead and he's like trying to, I guess it's not a rom com. It's like a, it's like a personal drama kind of story where the guy's husband died, but he also was kind of a seems like he was kind of a piece of shit. So uh, the main character is trying to like come to terms with his his dead husband and they go to Paris to like I think he's like oh we should just get away with you know him and his family. Like we got to get away, maybe have some have some good times, but it's a ulterior motive. He wants to go there for another reason. So it's like the a horror. It's like a drama with with some light elements, but it's, it's all emotional and, and stuff. And I don't, we don't, we're not, we're not here for that. I want to see, I want to see people fighting on the ISS in the movie <laughs> ISS. Remember um, that time I that the war in Ukraine started, and there was a hot second where we were like, "Do we? Are we still doing things with the Russians on on the ISS?" <laughs> yeah, what if that was like an action movie? <laughs> um, which I don't even know. Are we still conducting operations with the cosmonauts? I'm not sure. Um, I don't think currently. I think the ISS is being decommissioned. Um, but. Uh, I, I think that's a little reductive of this uh, movie. It's actually a pretty interesting and novel concept. So, like, World War Three breaks out while uh, a joint op between Russia and America is going on on the ISS, and both groups of astronauts receive uh, orders from their respective commanders-in-chiefs to take the ISS and... Uh, drama and hijinks ensues. <laughs> it's very, very tight. All those rascals, they cut off our oxygen. Yeah, I... It's a tight, claustrophobic kind of kind of. Yeah, you want deer. a hallway fight. We're going to get a hallway fight in this. I thought it was pretty cool, because um, uh, you also kind of boil down the, like... You have all these scientists who... I think I think there were some lines about, you know, we're... 
we're scientists, not fighters. Um, and it kind of gets doctor, to like not a, a fighter. Kind of gets to like the human nature. Like I, I think you're gonna have a lot of like, like, like just survival of the fittest. Like you're gonna mm-hmm. at, at all costs do what you have to do to survive. And um, it's an interesting concept. I think if the other side, like, imagine in the end, neither of them got the. Or like the Russians didn't get the order to take it back or something like that, you know? They just assumed and that'd be a pretty uh, interesting twist. Yeah, because the Americans got the right. It starts off with the Americans getting the order and then them just mm-hmm. assuming if we got this order, you know, they got that order to take take the. And I like, think the Russians the get. Yeah. No one's talking to each other. Yeah, like all Tense. communication breaks Thrilling. down. They kind of go a little primitive, a little bit. Like just doing what they can. They all turn into monkeys. We're all just monkeys, Lord in the of hand, the f- man. <laughs> monkeys all the way down. That's an alternative title for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> monkeys all the way down. Oh, you remind. All right, small divergence. You reminded me of the dream I had last night, which they were they were celebrating America's astronauts, and it was like you know Neil Armstrong, um, Buzz Aldrin. And then it was a little kitty because they sent a cat to the moon and it was a little cat astronaut. <laughs> and everyone was petting the little kitty like, thank you for your service, little astronaut cat. That was great. I'm that was the dream. Sure that was bu- it. Buzz Aldrin. Uh, Famously never. With that. <laughs> Famously a very not grumpy individual. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> who else was grumpy on the tray watch this week um uh, seems like snoop dog was a little grumpy. snoop snoop dog a little guy got a little grump in him um, he's he's gone he's made the full he's made the full swing he's going in for the the um tough guy comedy kind of yeah i mean basically this is this is a uh loose kind of remake of the longest yard but instead of like playing football in prison uh, he has to volunteer. So it's kind of like the longest yard meets kicking and screaming. Uh, yeah. Um, yes. That's that's pretty much perfect on the nose there where Snoop Dogg plays not Snoop Dogg. <laughs> definitely, definitely not. Definitely someone else. He shares no traits in common. They are not similar in any way. I, imag- any similarities you may think you see are imagined, I assure you. <laughs> I, I do like that the... Um, I just I like the contrast between like Snoop Dogg's and Ice Cube's approach to getting into movies where Ice Cube was like I'm I'm going. I'm going to be there. I'm I'm doing all the roles. I'm going to act, you know, I'm going to learn these roles. I'm going to transform myself. And Snoop Dogg's like I'm going to be Snoop Dogg. I don't I don't know that I would say that Ice Cube is really famous for transforming himself in any I of these movies. Oh, I want Ice Cube <laughs> to do like a Gary Oldman level like <laughs> character transformation. Oh, I think be- every criticism you've leveled against Snoop Dogg here could also be leveled against Ice Cube. Perhaps. But Ice Cube this just doesn't, has like, it looks like movies. he didn't even do wardrobe for this. Like he did this was just what he was wearing that day. Well, that's so, just a cut down on production costs. I mean, Amazon Prime is, is not made of money. It's fair. <laughs> they got they got they got Snoop Dogg. I was they say, did not. Yeah, that was Andrew Schultz. I was in a. I thought I recognized the um the there was an opposing football uh, coach, and I was like, who is that? He's like a famous comedian. 
and Andrew Schultz is apparently in this. So, uh, I guess he's an actor now. Yeah, yeah. People can do acting. <laughs> Omar Epps so. is in this. Andre Three Thousand can go from being a rapper to an actor, and then to being a flute flautist. <laughs> yep. Oh, I guess Andrew Schultz has been in other stuff too. Um, it's not uncommon for comedians to get acting roles. Yeah, he started in 2015 with some stuff, so it's fun. I guess he's allowed to do stuff. Whatever. Yeah, if you want to further your career, I yeah, guess. Sure. <laughs> I just know him for that guy on Joe Rogan. <laughs> Jogan. Yeah, I um. All right, so yeah, this movie's gonna be. It's gonna be okay. If you want to see, it'll, I'm sure it'll be inoffensive. It might not be good, but I doubt very much it's going to be like terribly bad. Yeah, it's watch the comedy antics of Snoop Doggy Dog. I saw George Lopez is in this too. Yeah, and towards like the end of this trailer, he calls Snoop looking like the Black Princess Leia, <laughs> and he's <laughs> not <insane>. wrong. <laughs> He's got the bun on the back. <laughs> no lies detected. Oh God, George Lopez, you're still, you're still out there. Still I wish, <laughs> I wish, like he and I wish Snoop Dogg endorsed a like a play sixty team that was the the underdogs. That'd be dope. But he'll have to do all this movie, I guess. Well, they should they should have done that as like um promotional stuff for this movie, but I I doubt. Prime cares that much to do a whole yeah. promotional ad like that for yeah. As we said, they got enough money to get Snoop well, Dogg in, especially because this movie's they said, be rated R. Yeah, they said, "Hey George Lopez, you want to work with Snoop Dogg on a movie?" He's like, "All right." Hey Omar Epps, do you want to work again? I said, "Yep." <laughs> I don't know. The last thing I saw Omar Epps in was like House. I'm sure he's done other stuff since then, but um, Omar Epps, what you what what do you got going on there, friend? Who's your housekeeper? What you keep in that house? <laughs> uh, while I look up the the recent filmography of Mister Epps, um, finish this off with uh, some good old fashioned Titan battles. Yeah, with, uh, Godzilla X Kong: The New Empire. Um, we, Certified bona fide box office draw Godzilla returns. Yeah, we, we made a note in the beginning that this was starting to look like a uh, Transformers movie because it, yeah, because Kong has some sort of gauntlet, and the first scene is that uh, it's in the Egyptian desert, and you just see this fucking yellow metal hand burst out of the sand. I'm like, is and I was still waking up when I was watching this. I'm like, is this another fucking Transformers yeah, movie? Right. It, it, it definitely <laughs> yeah. was giving big Transformer vibes. Um, but I don't know. It, it seemed like it was a uh, uh. Well, that's that's like towards the end of the movie too. I'm not sure what that's gonna be about. It seems like he was crawling out of the center of the earth somehow, which is, which is a long way to go, <laughs> even for yeah. these guys. So. Yeah, like they. Had, I remember. I know it's blasphemous to actually like quote the first movie as if continuity is gonna be expected here. Um, but in the first movie, they had to go through like little tubes. They had to find the secret word, like t- tunnels, and go through the gravitational rift or whatever to get to the hollow earth. 
So, like, yeah, you can't just, like, bury up through the fucking continental yeah. crust. So, I will I will say one thing. Um, I have been on a... I, I, this Godzilla franchise binge, I, I've been eating good this past couple weeks because I've been watching Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Yeah, um, well, does, is that going to lead up to this? Is that going to be like yeah, the... Yeah, it, it okay. definitely is. It's an in-between kind of thing. It actually takes place right after the first Godzilla movie. Um, so okay. it it doesn't take into account, I think, the New Empire and... Or not New Empire. Um, it doesn't take into um, King of the Monsters and uh, something else. But Godzilla th- versus Kong. Yeah, yeah, that one. Uh, but I think what they're going to find out in the show, they're kind of leading to it because they're like looking at the the globe and they're saying there's there's specific points of interest. Um, I think those are going to be the like tubes. I think what they're going to find out is that there are these points that can teleport you or take you to the center of the earth. Um, mm-hmm. And that's how the I think we established in one of the movies. That's how they get around so fast. Um, and I think Monarch is going to find those at the end of the show, mm-hmm. um, and maybe find out more Titans or some of like that, or that's I, how they're getting in. Yeah, is it gonna? Do you think there's going to be a Monarch versus what the not the the Hollow Earthians? Because it looks like there is like a weird race of humans living in the Earth. Yeah, I I wonder. Um, it certainly makes the sense. Ancients. For it to be like that, um, well, actually, no, it doesn't make a lot of sense because I, I don't know why <laughs> fucking humans would be in the middle of the earth, but because they're more advanced than us, Jake. Because that's how this always goes. We find the we find the humans in this in the secret location, and it's they've made the perfect society. Yeah, it's, it's giving and strong it's, Atlantis vibes. Yeah. Um, or Wakanda. They use the they use the power crystals, Jake. They use the Kong crystals to power their civilization. The uh, yeah, the Chaos Emeralds for the power of the Chaos Emeralds. <laughs> uh, is Kong cannot is is Kong going to be the next Sonic uh, character? He Kong's takes just ste- a giant badnik. <laughs> he just takes two steps and the levels over. Just doesn't doesn't even have to move. He just spans the whole track, yeah. and so as soon as like it counts down to start the level, the stage clear yeah. comes up. Yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of speculation about like what what this movie's gonna be about, and because there's we just know that there's my, like a new bad my, guy. My thought is that it's gonna be Godzilla and Kong related. That's just yeah. my gut feeling. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a big. That's well, they have a, to fight Orangutan. Yeah, so there's, the, there's a new guy called the Skull King or something like that. I think that's what his name is. The Skull. Yeah, because the teaser he was on of Throne of Skulls, including Godzilla's and uh, Kong's. So he's a Skull King, and he he has he's an Orangutan, so he knows how to like use tools. And apparently, he has like a a whip made from like a spine or something like that. And it's cool spine whip. Yeah, it's kind of kind of dope. Uh, but he, he looks his design is really cool. Um, I think there's something else though with him. I don't think he's the only bad guy. I think he controls. The big speculation is there's a another Titan out there that's like bigger that he controls, and that's how he's like, um, like reigning his supremacy. Yeah, I mean it would it would make sense, right? Because you know. It'd be, no matter be how skilled father. he is, it's Godzilla's no father. Ma- no matter how skilled he is, it would be a tough sell 
uh, especially after the last couple of movies, to buy that they'd be it'd be a match for both Godzilla and Kong fighting united that would be nuts if it's like a a godzilla type monster like a godzilla ancestor that he controls like he awoke Mm. an ancient godzilla i don't know the godzilla lore is there any other what other earth kaiju are there well this is this is a new well (laughs) um i think there are a couple different variations of godzilla that aren't mecha godzilla um i'm just going to google godzilla variants uh, but it could be the reason I chuckle is that he could awaken Zilla, the the Godzilla from the terrible oh. 1998 <laughs> Roland Emmerich Dude, movie. How and it was like a giant version of that. Oh yeah. my god! Like, yeah. Like mega size. Dude, that'd be nuts. I'd be down for it. You know what? Yeah, send us. What? Let's go. There's a lot to pick from. I don't know what they're gonna, you know, open up out of their tackle box of Titans, but. Like they still have I, um, a good amount of like titans that they could pick from to be the possible villains. Mm-hmm. Ooh, how about Anguirus, the big ankylosaur? Yeah, that's that's rideable. Is a quadruped you can ride on that? Oh, oh, it could be Space Godzilla or Destroya. Destroya, yeah. <laughs> Destoroya, yeah. Going I'm going to destroy ya. I'm going. <laughs> Uh, Monster X is another badass looking kaiju yeah. that they could pull up. I forget which which kaiju did like like actually like did the wor- was the did the most to Godzilla. Was it it wasn't like um, I think Adira is probably Godzilla's closest rival. Yeah. Um I feel like Gigan also really fucked him up. I don't know. Um, but I also learned about the Godzilla Defenders of Earthland comic oh, this series. One actually, that looks looks pretty hype. I destroy actually works kind of might work thematically too because you know the description on uh, Godzilla dot com slash blog slash Monsterpedia slash Destroya is uh, a <laughs> ruthless malevolent monster born of Godzilla's violent past. Hmm. That might be the third one where he has to come to terms. He has to come to terms <laughs> with himself. It's either that or Space Godzilla. Because you got to explain where the crystals came from. If they came from Space Godzilla. Because he's got them big oh, crystals on Oh, that's true. There's a bunch of crystals in here. Mm-hmm. Oh. I just figured they were like weird hollow earth things. But Space Godzilla. It, what if all those, um like, uh, the people in the hollow earth were like... um. Like, uh, I was about to call him fascist, but uh, like cultists <laughs> of like space Godzilla. Yeah. I'm trying to like summon him. Maybe. I, I, I don't know that they're going to try to jump the shark to space. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. That'd be a bold move, given that we're at the center of the earth here. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I, I wouldn't mind seeing either destroy a space Godzilla or Monster X. Oh no, they made. Oh, I'm reading. I'm stuck in the wiki for the comic now, and Zilla, the son of the 1998 Zilla, is canon and part of the Earth Defenders faction of Kaiju. Oh no, it's like it's like Superboy. 
but <laughs> Young Zilla. <laughs> There's Young also Zilla, that's my new rapper name. <laughs> absolutely. I like it. Oh, and and Mothra's kids are there. Mothra, Leah, and Leo. And then Mothra was there, and then you were there. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. All right. I. If this is the, co- I don't know. I'm not. I no. I'm not going to start reading this comic. <laughs> <laughs> I might. I just got. I got to spot myself because I can't stop spending money on dumb shit. I, yeah. I bought myself a new tablet for reading comics because finally, at long last, next month. Allegedly, my uh, Kickstarter that I backed almost a year ago at this point is going to ship out. It's finally happening. Um, Okay, so Godzilla... Jake, you might also be interested. Godzilla Rulers of Earthland is a crossover between IDW Godzilla and uh, Fairy Tale. The manga. Oh. Or no, this is a... Okay, that's a... Oh, it's a fan fiction. But there is an IDW Godzilla series. Right. Nice. Good to know. All right. That's and that's trailers, which is also that good is to trailers. know. I don't know if this I mean there's another car rivalry movie. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to the follow up where we'll follow up on some of the movies we've of uh, the ghosts of Trey Watch's past. Um for the domestic weekend forty eight here. Getting awfully close to the end of the year. Um, Walking it in. December 1st through the 3rd, uh, Renaissance, a film by Beyonce, uh, opens in first in what has become the year of the concert movie, it seems. Um, bio, bio, product biopics and concert movies. What a combination. Yeah, to dominate cinema for a whole year. Um, it grows $21 million in its opening week, so... Quite a bit less uh, earth shattering than the Eras tour, but mm-hmm. um, it is it is what it is. It's a concert if you're a fan of Beyonce's music. The and, Bayhive and is not. They didn't come out in force this time. Yeah, I, or maybe that's just the cap on what one of these movies should do. Yeah. <laughs> And Swifties are just insane. Yeah, I mean, don't underestimate the power of white women. They are the <laughs> strongest demographic in America right now. They can even turn Jake's voice into a robot. <laughs> he hit the he hit the synth key. Oh, yeah, well. it's it's pro- it's probably just on on the call. I'm sure your recording's I, fine. I think I'm having um a little bit of an internet issue. So I see. It's weird because everything else is fine and unchanged. Yeah. It's just the the tone of your voice is a little different. Um, just like it's a little different for us to have a cutaway like that in the middle of our segment as we get back <laughs> to the follow-up here and talk to you about The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which in its third week uh, holds on to a top two spot, down 51%, 14.17 million uh, total or gross for the weekend, mm-hmm. 248 248.9 mil worldwide. But more importantly, I believe that uh, we we talk about this as a spotlight being more important than any of that, including the money. Um, so 
let's take a look at how it's doing critically. It's it's currently rocking a 7.2 out of, not 7.10, that'd be an 8, 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb, a 64% on Rotten Tomatoes with a meta score of, drumroll please, 54. So uh, pretty mixed reviews, except the IMDb is pretty high. Um, maybe this is just a case of the only people who wanted to see it were Hunger Games fans, but we'll find that out when we talk to some real reviewers and examine their real reviewer traits with our specially tuned instruments and our decades of experience. Yes. Um, Vitor Diaz Barbosa. Vitor Diaz Barbosa. Uh, has a review of Hunger Games, Battle of Songbirds and Snakes, 10 out of 10. An excellent prequel of Hunger Games, all caps. I watched The Hunger Games. At the end of the session, the audience even applauded. And in fact, it is cinema. <laughs> Just like Catching Fire. <laughs> I think this is cinema. <laughs> it's divided into three acts. <laughs> and until the second act... It perfectly flows fo- follows the course of the book. In the final act, he accelerates. For those who haven't read the books, it might be it may be confusing, but the performances and scenes are iconic. You even create an excitement for other tributes in the air yeah, arena, like Wolvie and Lamina, Lucy Gray, Rachel, and Snow, Tom. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Are those their character is snow like the canadian rapper in this movie i might have to see it if that's the case <laughs> uh, no it's coriolanus snow lucy gray and uh snow tom deliver a lot in the final scene in the cabin and the forest is surreal the film is worth every penny smiley emoticon p.s katniss appears <laughs> so that's the spoiler uh 13 out of 33 found that helpful. Okay. All right. There's there's a, there's a lot of hate um, on this movie right now. Um, so I want to try to capture that um, in the next one. But this one was one that was uh, very helpful to people. Um, so I don't think I can skip it. Uh, warning spoilers. This I think this does get into a little bit of spoilers. So if you don't want it, um, skip it. Skip a few beats ahead. Um, one out of ten by AJ Contre sixteen. Absolutely horrible adaptation of a fantastic book. As someone who has read the book multiple times, this is an awful adaptation of an incredibly well-written book. The entire movie is rushed to the point where it should have been split into two. Important characters are barely involved or completely cut out. How do you show Clementia get bitten by the snakes, then nothing of her afterwards? No pluribus bell, satiria, or interactions with the plants. Dot, dot, dot. Viola Davis is a remarkable job with what she was given. Yeah, she is a remarkable job with what she's given. <laughs> but come on! No hippity-hoppity, not once! So much of her, much of the fear of her character comes from her craziness, and it was missing. 
Okay. Uh, there was absolutely no chemistry between Snow and Lucy Gray. Their relationship is completely left out of the movie, and that is due to the rush through of the story. Rachel Ziegler was a terrible choice for this role. She may be able to sing, but cannot act at all. Her entire portrayal of Lucy Gray was off and disappointing. The book, it the book it full of character development for Corey Lane. It's my favorite program. That isn't depicted in the film. Get that personal pan pizza. You don't see the struggle he has within himself, let alone the final blow to his goodness by losing the trust and love of Lucy Gray. This change is what makes Snow who he is later in life and why I believe he hates Katniss. There are many similarities between these two women, and Katniss reminds him of the past weakness and betrayal. This is shown by subtle foreshadowing. Unfortunately, we don't see these changes of character in the movie, and that is the entire point of the book, to find out why Snow became an evil and spineless person without feeling. So many important moments were left out or changed that it was frustrating and took every ounce of self-control not to walk out of the theater. Poorly done, dot, dot, dot. 136 out of 241 found it helpful. Ooh, okay, yeah. A lot of people read it. I had some. Um, I've got this 4 out of 10 review for Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by um, Vibin Francis, 09346. Um, awesome. A gripping dystopian film that captivates audiences with its intense storyline, compelling characters, and thought-provoking themes. Jennifer Lawrence delivers a strong performance as Katniss Everdeen, navigating the (laughs) challenges of brutal televised competition. The film successfully combines action and social commentary, making it a memorable and engaging cinematic experience. The Hunger Games, directed by Gary Ross, is an adaptation of Suzanne Collins' best-selling novel. Set in a dystopian future, the story unfolds in the nation of Pan Am, where the capital controls 12 districts by annually selecting one boy and one girl from each district to participate in a televised fight to the death known as the Hunger Games. Jennifer Lawrence shines as the protagonist, Katniss Everdeen, whose resilience and resourcefulness become central to the film. The movie effectively establishes the stark contrast between the opulent capital and the struggling districts, highlighting themes of inequality and oppression. The pacing is well-crafted, building tension as the characters navigate the treacherous arena. The action sequences are dynamic and complemented by the emotional struggles of the participants. The supporting cast, including Josh Hutcherson as Peter Millark and Woody Harrelson as Hamish Abernathy, contributes to the film's overall strength. The cinematography captures the grim atmosphere of the districts and the spectacle of the capital, enhancing the viewer's immersion in the narrative. James Newton Howard's score complements the mood, heightening the emotional impact of key scenes. The Hunger Games successfully blends elements of action, drama, and social commentary, making it a compelling film for both fans of the source material and those new to the story. It serves as a solid introduction to the larger narrative arc that continues in the subsequent films. Zero out of six found that helpful. I wonder why. (laughs) I don't know. It seems like he he reviewed that Hunger Games movie pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. I got one here from Fikrkibde, uh, which I believe is how that would be pronounced. Uh, F-G-K-R-J-G-P-D-P. Fikrkjip. Uh, Lucy Gray and Turnin' Snow. 10 out of 10. 
submitted November 18th. First things first, don't listen to reviews that's either A, hyphen, have not read the book, Akka think this is a typical Hunger Games film, or B, didn't expect more story, less action in a movie with a two-hour and 37-minute runtime ellipse. You can't win with these people. You just can't. Now, let me, tell, let me say the number one thing this movie did for me was make me feel. The acting and performances were all around spectacular, and this was my introduction to Rachel, and she was lovely. Tom Bliff had moments in this film that sucked you right out of your seat and put you beside him. Supporting cast kills it. I mean, people, Viola Davis, the award queen, is in the movie, and of course she's amazing. 4 out of 12 found that helpful. <laughs> Viola All Davis, right. just, just in movies. The award queen, the Viola award Davis. Queen. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, um... I, I could give you more uh, Zegler hate, but um, I feel like I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't. Well, yeah, we might think that your Ben Shapiro's burner account. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so instead, we're going to do one out of ten by Marty Kate. Hasn't okay. this franchise been overdone? Hollywood has become addicted to sequels and sequels and sequels. Hunger Games, Star Wars, Twilight, <laughs> Harry Potter, Ad Nauseum. Ooh, I, don't, I haven't heard of Ad Nauseum movie. Okay. Yeah. You <laughs> meant to say et cetera. Look at that fifth grade vocabulary. Look at that seventh grade vocabulary. That's pretty good. Someone's uh, been studying for their SAT. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good Latin word. Um, there was no good reason to make this movie except for money. And sure, it will bring in enough money that it that the makes will call themselves justified. The only um, decent sequels come from Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. The script was good. The acting was good. The sets were good. The cinematography was good. Though Peter Jackson went overboard on the script at times. But what he produced was worth watching. They should have stopped with the first film. Hunger Games was somewhat watchable, though I think Jennifer Lawrence was overrated as an actress. One movie was fine. The rest of them were merely indulgence. Four out of seven found this helpful. Well, first, I don't want to break it to him. I don't know if you guys want to break it to him that you got you make they make the movies for the money. Um, yeah, that is that is kind of why movies but, are made. But if he if he considers Lord of the Rings just good. I don't know if he wants to watch movies. Yeah, do you like movies? <laughs> hold on, hold on. We we should know this best because we are um, three white guys with a podcast. That's true about movies, and we know games. everything. So we know everything. And Seen we can, literally every movie. And you're <laughs> telling me, you're telling me that these movie studios don't make these movies because of some altruistic, like. Like uh, uh, their love of quest. the arts, they yeah. love the arts so much that they're willing to pour their heart, soul, and money like the effort. Like they, they're just like donating their money to the goodwill to put this art out there in space. And you well, know, um, Disney's been doing that lately, but that's kind of been their problem. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes they do that, but uh, well, it's not altruistic. They just want to get that Black Rock ESG score up. Yeah, yeah. 
So now that now that you know, um, we as white guys are going to talk about our favorite hidden gem of a video game. It's a little thing called Earthbound. <laughs> heard of it? Can't wait. To it's play so it. quirky. It's yeah. it's my favorite game. I can't wait to play it. <laughs> um, we're gonna finish up here. Uh, with uh, Lola Coniac. Coniac. Lola Coniac with her 6 out of 10. Uh, Coriolanus is a Latin word. <laughs> Why yes. is everyone pronouncing it wrong in the movie? It's too much singing. I don't know what's going on with the girl's jaw. No chemistry between the leads. I like the boy's performance in some scenes. Towards the end, you kind of see him finally bloom, only to hear the real snow say the phrase, It is the thing we love the most that destroy us. I assume that's what he sounds like. I've never seen the movies either. <laughs> uh, and have the illusion shattered. He didn't manage to get at the same level as the previous actor, but I don't think it was the actor's fault. He is very good, in my opinion. I believe it was the directing that was misguided, following the book a bit too much. The Hunger Games books were very badly written. <laughs> the movies I adore, I watched them a hundred times. Nine out of twenty-one. Nine out of twenty-one found that. Uh, yeah, the books weren't weren't great written. I would agree with that. Um, I've never seen any of the movies, so that's that's the Hunger Games. Bout of the hung the hungry the hungry times. Song Boyd's and Snacks. Um, in three, we have Godzilla minus one, which opened with an impressive $11.5 million in just 2,300 theaters. Uh, so far, domestically, it's brought in $17 million and $43 million worldwide. So it's doing some pretty good, good things. Um, and uh, I will say, for going to a pretty late showing on a Friday, the theater I went to see Godzilla in was... Fairly packed. Like there were quite Same. a few people in there. I went. We went to a uh, Wednesday or no Tuesday showing at like seven twenty, and uh, it wasn't sold out. But I would say probably sixty seventy percent full. Yeah, I'd say like it was a solid. That's pretty good. At least half full in the theater I was in, which is kind of unusual for movies in general uh, these days. And but a particularly fully foreign language movie at that. Yeah. Which I I I guess I guess I I had forgotten that that was probably going to be the case. So when like the opening dialogue came on in Japanese, I'm like, oh crap! Now I'm going to have to like read subtitles the whole time. Shit. That's alright. It wasn't that bad. Um, it was fine. There um, wasn't a ton. Well, I guess there was quite a bit. We'll we'll, we'll get into it when we review the movie. Uh, Trolls Band Together manages to hold on to its fourth spot, even though it lost 56% week on week, down to $7.8 million. Wish, uh, hemorrhaging money, down 60.9% week on week, uh, only $7 million there. $83 million worldwide in what has continued to be a nightmare year for Disney. Uh, what a way to celebrate your 100th anniversary by losing half a billion dollars at the box office. Yeah. Yeah, I I know I even said um you know, we may it may be like Elemental where it's a slow burn and Elemental end up making almost almost 500 million worldwide. I don't see how 
wish is going to get close to that. Unless no, I don't think it is. They keep it in theaters for a long fucking time. Christmas um, is not going to save them. Like, yeah, it's going to see an uptick at Christmas, but that is going to be. Is it? I mean, I I mean, possibly, but it's it's got to make it like two more weeks to get to Christmas. I don't know if it's got that number one and number two. There's going to be other movies targeted towards younger audiences that come out in that span, like Wonka. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I, th- I don't think Trolls is helping it, because Trolls is surprisingly big. I My niece fucking loves Trolls. Um, and I think if she were to go see this or Wish, it would be Trolls. Yeah. And if she goes again, it's going to be Trolls again. Because that's the <laughs> thing. Kids also go see movies multiple times, because they're they're like that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what the fuck's going. They don't remember it. They can't remember it all in their head. Yeah. So um, th- that's it's gonna be interesting. They're gonna really battle it out. Um, but I really think Trolls is gonna come out on top. Wish is probably gonna get drowned out and not perform as well as Elemental. But you know that's what we were, said about Elemental. So who knows? We, maybe the trolls are now in our like regal previewing. Like oh, turn off your your cell phone things. I think Elemental really benefited from the kind of drip feed of content that came out of the writers and actors strike. Like there weren't a ton of movies coming out and a lot of movies that were slated to come out against it got pushed back because of strike related issues. Wish isn't going to have that going for it. Yeah. And I don't know what kind of advertising they can do around Wish to make people want to see it because I don't think they did a great job in one advertising the movie as well from the get-go. So I, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just seems like it's a a loss really. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, this is a bad, it's a good and bad week for movies. Just in general, Napoleon in sixth down from second. Who? Uh, leaving no theaters. That's that's I mean, gonna be problems. Word of mouth spread about it, and that was not a good thing in this movie's case. Yeah. Um seven seven point two million uh this week for a worldwide total of one hundred and forty million. So still I mean, pretty big. But if it's dropping this fast, that's that's all that's all you're gonna get. Yeah. Um then we have the December crew coming in, the rock block for December movies. <laughs> Three new premieres. There were five premieres this week, um, which is why everything older than four weeks is now out of the top ten, including some notables we'll talk about. Um, but these are in their order: seven, eight, nine, the an- or animal, the shift, and Silent Night. Uh, Animal, I believe, is a Indian film, Bollywood film. Uh, is only it is the top of these three, despite only being in seven hundred theaters. You got them hype piece <laughs> with a uh, six point five million uh, week worldwide, thirteen point five million. So majority domestic. Maybe I don't. Maybe I've got this thing wrong. Who knows. Um, then we got our, we've got Angel Studios. They're back in the saddle with the shift. <laughs> um, who's the actor in this? Who's the, the, he played, um, 
all I know him from is Bison in the Chun Li movie. Uh, I, yeah, it, you got, I don't know. Um, some Irish dude. Um, it's he yeah, the guy has to escape from the post-apocalyptic, not the post-apocalyptic, the dystopian world, which might just be like the world without Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a good chance. Um, four point three million this week. Uh, probably all domestic. Let's see. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think Angel Studios uh wants to dirty its film by releasing it internationally. Yeah, and then finally, uh, Silent Night. The uh, the one, the one uh, uh, holiday appropriate movie in all this. Um, it's here. It's it's uh, Lionsgate Films. You know it. You you enjoy it. I'm not gonna say you, you love know it. it. You lo- You know it. You love it. <laughs> uh, three million uh, for three million this week for like a total of, of four million. So they made a little bit before. Um, and then rounding it out. We've got uh, Thanksgiving. I, I mean, appropriate. It's it's time. It's over. Thanksgiving's over. Um, Two point six million this week. Moving out of theaters. Still in like twenty five hundred theaters. This is just filling slots. Um, this oh this description. After a Black Friday riot ends in tragedy, a mysterious Thanksgiving inspired killer terrorizes Plymouth, Plymouth Massachusetts. The birthplace of the infamous holiday, Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, worldwide total, rounding it out at thirty-six million. Again, that's probably a profit. Uh yeah, probably. Uh, TriStar, you hitting you hit another one out of the park. That's gonna that's gonna pay the bills for for January. Um, now, what what do we lose? What do we lose this week? Um, oh boy! We lost the Marvels. Out of the top ten, four weeks. Wow. We're it's done, Jeez. ladies and gentlemen. It's 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 done. One hundred ninety-eight uh, million worldwide. So it's gonna fall about thirty, forty million short, or maybe even sixty million of what the Incredible Hulk did. Not adjusted for inflation to be the worst performing MCU movie of all time. <laughs> The bomb it, it for is, the it is superhero the bomb. movie there too, so it's unfortunately we can't be like, oh, it, you know. Well, it's crazy that like you know four weeks, there. four weeks was the cap, uh, except four for weeks the, whole, well, the holdovers was dropping. in for six weeks, and that one's out too. Yeah. Unfor- unfortunately, um, but maybe that means it'll come to streaming sooner. Well, I uh, mean, six weeks for a movie like the holdovers is a pretty good run. Yeah, that's a good run. There's a lot uh, of new movies out, though. I feel like there's a yeah. So, yeah, I mean yes, that that's what bumped a lot of them, them down for sure. But also the Marvels, it's not doing hot. Like yeah, it's yeah, sure. it's in it's in almost 300 less theaters than Thanksgiving, which is a movie that's been out for three weeks about a holiday that happened a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, Salt Burns out. Taylor Swift is out. Five Nights at Freddy's is out. Um, which means dream scenario a24 right on target with their timing they they sent a they sent a long bomb they sniped (laughs) it from downtown next week if they keep rolling it out this is going to be at least the number 10 uh because i don't know what uh, there's unless there's another slew of huge movies debuting uh next week which like maybe aquaman 
Uh, is that next week? No, I think it's two weeks. Okay. So Dream Scenario may have its time in the sun. Um, I think Wonka is next week. Okay. Yeah. I'm regardless. I'm rooting for Nick Cage, another Nick Cage movie, to get into the top ten and maybe come around to the theaters near where I am, so I can watch it in theaters. That'd be nice. I think I think it's playing near us. Uh, Boy and the Heron, Wonka. Uh, I think the color purple. Did I? No, just kidding. Um, after that, uh, on the 22nd. So actually, we don't have anything coming out. Yeah, As it's, of the time of recording. Next it's week, a, nothing new is coming out. It's a scrap oh, no, for uh, for December, though. Like, think about how many movies are releasing. Like, we're getting, because we're finally getting off the strikes, plus holiday movie yeah. revenue. It's, it's going to be a bloodbath. This, this is the weekend where I don't think there's a lot of new stuff coming out, unless, yeah. So, Peter. Born in the Heron yeah. is this week. There's precisely one showing at two theaters in the area of Dream Scenario. <laughs> Good. Today, both of them are at 10.30. Uh, tomorrow, only Colony Center is showing it at 8.30. Uh, Monday, 10 and 8.30. Tuesday, 9.40 and 8.30. These are some weird times. It's it's definitely a slide it in where we can kind of... Uh, uh, Movie yeah, it'll show. be difficult to see, but well, I'll maybe give it a shot. Uh, all right, so that's uh, that's that the follow following up. up. Yeah, we've let's ca- talk, we caught up. Let's talk about some gaming news here, yep. uh, real quick. Here, Ooh, uh, one second, Can yes. I, um, I saw a tidbit of it and I decided to watch it last night. Um, I saw Leave the World Behind, um, which I think you guys would actually okay. Like. Um, I I remember hearing about it. It kind of surprised me with the cinematography and the music choices that they pulled. They did a lot of stuff. Um, and it doesn't really jump the shark too much. It's a very character-driven movie. It is about, about like um like a cyber attack causing like a end of like civilization. Yes, that's what it was. It was the but strangers it, at the door. But it doesn't go too like wild with it it's very grounded um and it's more like what we'll do to survive what we'll do to kind of reassure ourselves um how we like interact with each other when there's no like uh discussion like uh you know you can't look up like symptoms of stuff and um you can't get news uh readily available and and um uh it's pretty fucking amazing to be honest uh right the only thing I would say is like animal CGI is a little wonky, but uh, the acting really, really good. Ethan Hawke, Julie Roberts, Mersha Ali, um, and even uh, I forgot what her name is, but the uh, the one daughter that is Mahershala's daughter is really, really good. Um, so highly recommend it. It's on Netflix now. It just came out, um, and you know we don't get the box office numbers for that, but. Uh, if this was a, a movie in the theaters, I would recommend it too to go see it. Very okay. suspenseful, very very suspenseful movie, uh, and a lot of that is done with the score and the um, cinematography of it. So mm-hmm. really well done. Okay. Sorry. All right. Go on. Let's let's talk gaming news uh, then. So the Game Awards was this past week. Lots of shit got announced. Lots of shit 
won awards. Some didn't win awards. Like, notably, mm-hmm. Spider-Man 2 won zero awards despite being nominated in seven categories. Yep. Because it, um, it was... Make, making it the Meryl Streep of video games. Yeah. The uh, yeah the sweep this this year was uh, Baldur's Gate and Alan Wake. Yeah, yeah Baldur's Gate 3 won six awards. Alan Wake 2 also did quite well. Um... They were kind of the stories, but the lot of stuff got announced, including Arcane, uh, the main studio of Arcade, not the ones that made Redfall, are, are taking their stab at a vampire game, uh, and they're developing a game uh, based on Blade. Um, mm-hmm. Sega announced revivals of like Golden Axe, Jet Set Radio, and oh, all yeah, sorts was, of other like dive into Crazy all Taxi. That, yeah. I'm most excited about Crazy Taxi. Um, I'm about that Shinobi. God of uh, God of War Ragnarok Valhalla is uh, going to be a free DLC available um, uh, December 12th for PlayStation. So uh, that's kind of that's mm. kind of a neat flex because it's a pretty uh, popular game, and just coming out with free DLC is pretty um, impressive because they could just make money off of it. Yeah, Cyberpunk won a strange award for best ongoing game. Um, which uh, I I've started Phantom Liberty. I will get my review for that soon. Um, it is it's kind of an interesting state because like it's a very 2.0 changed a lot for Cyberpunk, and it's a very like different game now. Um, mostly for the better, but I think it almost like warrants a new review <laughs> because it's. It's so uh, so it's changed from the original. When, when did that change come out? Was that when Phantom uh, Liberty came out? Yeah, the Phantom Liberty released with okay. the 2.0 update. Okay, because I was um, I played it a year after launch when it went on sale, um, and I was really I, I enjoyed it a lot then. But if they changed it, I might have to do a new playthrough to see. Well, yeah, it's mostly like in gameplay change, and it's really good because uh, I'll I'll try not to get too too deep into it. But they changed the skill trees around, and changed how certain systems work. So like you don't have to put all your points into technical uh, ability if you want to do crafting, for example. So and they've reworked. Uh, it's kind of a little like Borderlands uh, now with the skill trees, where there are capstone skills, and you have to take. Uh, certain skills to be able to take the capstone and have enough invested in that tree and have your attribute in that tree be high enough. And there are some really cool uh, like gameplay variations that can come out of that. Like I built my characters focused on uh, cool and intelligence. So I do a lot of uh, like quick hacking to uh, incapacitate enemies. And then I've got like cyber quick draw where i can like pull out when i aim down sight on a pistol or or a rifle it slows down time slightly and oh, like dead every eye. every headshot i get extends the time of the slowdown so i just yeah. like whip it out and fan the hammer and drop a whole room yeah. and it's 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 a lot more engaging than it than uh, the gunplay used to be um and there's a bunch of skill trees that i haven't played around with like physical and reflexes which Reflexes sounds like it's a lot of fun to play. I don't know how powerful it is. I, I truly think, without having played any other builds, I truly think the one I came up with is one of the more p- optimized builds in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I'm I'm having a lot of fun with it. So yeah, it'll come out. Um, um there's a a Black Myth Wukong is a game that got announced. It's an action RPG based off Chinese mythology. So that's the gameplay looks pretty cool. Um, of that, it's kind of um, kind of like if God of War were based in like China. <coughs> yeah. Um, Jurassic Park Survival had a lot of had a really cool trailer. I don't think this is gonna have anything to do with the game, but the trailer was like, um, what if there was somebody left behind on the island? And then as she's trying to get around, she goes through a lot of like the classic scenes of Jurassic Park one. <laughs> um, and she like recreates certain things like running through the kitchen and hiding from a, a different dinosaur. And then, um, yeah, it, it's pretty, pretty neat what they do with that. Yeah, I'm interested to see if that's going to be like an alien isolation type game. Yeah, that's what it, yeah, because it seemed like it was a little giving a little horror element to it. I think that would work really well, like with, um, yeah. uh, like if you had like the raptor, if it was more specifically raptors chasing you, um, and they had like the alien isolation learning AI type thing. Yeah. Um, I think that would be a very interesting game concept. This week. Yeah. Um, um what else? Good. <laughs> I was gonna say I got a couple things. Um, really quick, um, BRC physical editions for the Switch and consoles is out. If you want a little collectible, um, want to be able to pop it in, pop it in for a little play, uh, you can do that. Um, I did want another, just a quick other mention about the Game Awards, um, where there was. There's the topic of the old games that won the awards, um, but the event itself came under a little, um, we'll call it just criticism, in that it turned in, it's uh, that it was very much um, an award show. It's become, it's fall, people are criticizing it for falling prey to um, the award show tropes. Well, There's that's what they wanted it to be. They wanted it to be the Oscars for video games. And they, mm-hmm. they got their wish. Another criticism I heard is that um, it it seemed like more of a vehicle for advertising new games. But when you think about it, there's no E3 anymore. So this has yeah, yeah. kind of become the new E3. This is where you announce your shit. Yeah. Um, the article I'm reading here is Forbes from Forbes, Paul Tassi. Game Awards was a full-on parody of itself this year. Um, here's some of the things they talk about. Um Easily the worst thing the show did was rush through a dozen and a half of the smaller awards with Jeff Cayley quite literally shouting them at the screen rapid fire. You could blow through best RPG, best racing sports game, best multiplayer game, and best art direction before you could finish a sip of the drink you no doubt needed to get through the evening. These awards are significant achievements for each game that wins them, and no one involved in these lesser categories gets to make an acceptance speech, and they're not acknowledged for more than a split second. It's callous and beneath something at least claiming to be an award show. Ah, but what if you do win a real award? Well, you get essentially 30 to 45 seconds to make your speech, which seemed like a hard limit after Christopher Judge's sprawling eight-minute best performance speech last year. But that led to to ridiculous, almost insulting moments like Asterian actor Neil Newborn having to rush through his heartfelt speech or Alan Wake's Sam Lake Lake getting played off early. Um, And then they also... The other... um, 
there was all the celebrity cameos, you know, celebrity skits and cameos, like, oh, who look who showed up, you know. Um, I believe Gonzo showed up, like, from the Gonzo. Muppets. Yeah. Um, and then the it's other big... Gonzo. The other big criticism was that he did not. Um, there was no mention made uh, about the like huge layoffs that happened this year. Which, to be fair, we didn't cover them a lot well, I mean, either. Of, but of course, no one was going to talk about that at the award show. Why would anyone expect that to be talked about yeah. at the award show? That's that's a very dumb criticism, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, because yeah, you're not gonna. Like I, I wonder how they're gonna address if they're even gonna address like the strikes at the Oscars. That, I mean, that might be that might be different because it was a a profoundly transformative moment for the movie industry and the television industry. So maybe they will address it. But you know, when there's massive layoffs and like nobody addresses the uh, the CG crisis at. And like yeah. the award shows for Oscars and stuff like that. Best visual uh, effects, like the people in the speech, even don't like get up to go. We like we need to like rethink how we do VFX in movies because our people are fucking dying. <laughs> yeah, I think I think if uh, the the best criticism I have of that, which I agree, is that the fact that they did blow through so many awards at the expense of like doing dumb skits or something like that or trailers. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's the biggest difference between this and like the Oscars is that you have to have so much time for a announcement of a game or the developers of a game coming up and doing like a discussion about how they're, they're bringing back something. I don't know. Um, No, people might point to the Oscars and say, well, they do like skits with the host at the Oscars all the time. And while that's true, uh, the Oscars gets like a four hour primetime time slot every year. They have the time to fuck around with that shit. The Game Awards does not have that kind of cachet at the moment. They're only on TV for a little bit. And unless you want to go like fully live stream, which would sure cut but the money considerably. Even even the Oscars, I'm pretty sure they do like when they have an ad, they'll do awards, I think, during the ads that don't that aren't the bigger awards. They'll just They'll just name them off or they will come up and do a thing. What they should do, and they could probably save a good amount of time, is have, if you're nominated for an award, record your um, speech and then just have it play whenever you get the, the win. And have it be the 30 seconds on the dot and and have that play when you accept your award. To, like, instead well, of I think that would be it and... That might be a little hard and, like, on, on people – uh, not just logistically, because if you do it for, for all the nominees, like the psychic damage you take from giving an acceptance of speech for a award you did not win, I think would be well, people would be do considerable. That time, I, I, I don't know how common it is or isn't, but um, yeah, there's definitely the other thing to take into account here is the Game Awards is it's pretty new, right? We're still trying to figure out what the right balance for this is. So, yeah, this year they went a little more indulgent on, on some of the more negative aspects of trying to be at an award show like like an Oscars or, or an Emmys or whatever, Golden Globes, what have you. And perhaps next year they'll they'll kind of rejigger the format to, to address some of these criticisms, or maybe they'll go further in the other direction. Hard to say, but my, my the point I'm trying to make is that everyone's still trying to figure this shit out, so it's mm-hmm. going to be rough around the edges for a while. 
Like, I'm yeah. sure if you look at the first few Oscars broadcasts, they were messes as well. And who's to say they are still messes? Yeah, I mean, some some people would say that that's still the case, where you have people uh, jumping up from the audience to slap the host across the face. Yeah. In a move I'm still not convinced wasn't staged. Not saying um, it for sure was. Just saying there's some there's some smoke. Yeah. Okay. Um, the only other oh. thing... Oh, yeah. What you got? I was going to say, uh, maybe you were going to talk about it too. Uh, Hideo Kojima? No, that's what I was going to talk about. But what I talked about is not going to be important anyway. I, just I, 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 I just want to... If you would just want to read his the, the quote from him about this, uh, that would be... I, I just want this to be on the air. So if, if you don't have it in front of you, I'll read it. Oh, the... Um... Hideo Kojima announces OD with Jordan Peele. Yeah. Quote, it is a game, but it's at the same time a movie. But at the same time, a new form of media. It's going to be a, like a strand type game. It's the first strand type game that that is also a movie simultaneously. Man forgot about his own strand type Fucking, game. God, Hideo Kojima has... Or at least presents as I don't know the guy personally, so maybe it's all just like a public persona. But he presents as having like the most inflated ego in the history of fucking mankind. Yeah, like uh, people were saying that he was, uh, you know, he just makes move or he makes games just to hang out with his celebrity friends. Yeah, I mean, basically, he wanted to be a movie director, but no one would touch his fucking crazy ass ideas. So he decided to try his hand in video games and found success exactly, like, I don't know, three times. Yeah. So um, OD is his new game, um, and it is just as non-sequitorial, non uh, just weird. I mean, you don't know what the game's about, obviously, after this, like, uh, 50 second trailer with just like actors saying the same line the hungry purple dinosaur ate the kind zingy fox the jabbering crab and the mad whale and started vending and quacking like that's what these characters said it like this full you know face shot and um it just <laughs> it's just, just weird uh so it it looks like it's has like horror vibes to it so i don't know if that's gonna be any inclination to it there who knows who knows what the hell's going on with this game and it's so early for it it's probably not gonna come out for another couple years i think a couple years after people play it we're still gonna be trying to figure out what's going on in that game because that'd be pretty par for the course with kojima did anybody really like Death Stranding? Like, there are people I've, who enjoy yeah. it. Um, people I, I know, like, personally who like it, but they all say the exact same thing. Like, I'm weird, and I understand that this isn't going to be for a lot of people. Yeah. No. So, like, I mean, the cult of Kojima is real, yeah. and I'm sure they'll they'll eat this up. And, you know, more power to them. I'm not trying... I'm not out here trying to yuck anyone's yums. There's There's different tastes for different people and uh that makes some, the world interesting some people want nordis nordis readings 
uh, simul baby time, and some people want Konami pinball pachinko experience. Yeah, yep. And the other the other game that was kind of like came out that had uh, big names attached to it was Matthew McConaughey's Exodus. Um, he's not making it, but I think he's um, he's doing a voice. <laughs> he's doing a voice, but I also think he's some sort of producer in it. I think he's working with the development of it because um, he went on and announced it and stuff like that. So. I don't know. It's a space game or some shit. So, okay, cool. Yep. Glad you could. I, I heard he took like some of these guys. Again, they took more time to do these announcements than like awards winners got to do their acceptance speeches. Yeah, but like I said, like it's it's, it's kind a, of replacing E three now. Yep. And until we get something else in that that space that has as big an audience as the Game Awards has. It's going to stay that way, I think. <laughs> yeah. Where everyone announces everything at the Game Awards. Although, surprisingly, Starfield and Bethesda announced nothing uh, at the Game Awards. Uh, no planned DLC or anything like that. Um, no announces to announcements to address any of the uh, concerns people have about the state of the game. And uh, the people who developed the popular Skyrim... Forever uh, Skyrim Together mod, uh, which is a multiplayer mod for Skyrim, uh, said, "Yeah, we don't want, we don't care enough about Starfield to continue working on this. So, here's our source code. If anyone wants to finish it, go for it." <laughs> that hurts. That's got to cut. Yeah. All righty. All righty. Let's 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 now time for the main event. Let's talk about Godzilla minus one. Uh, my executive summary is that this is a uh, very deftly told story of post-traumatic stress and survivor's guilt that uh, features themes of Reconstruction-era Japan, and occasionally a giant monster shows up. Yes, that's about the that's about the the gist of it. Um, yeah, I did not. I I don't know how you would have marketed. They did this. They marketed this movie. I think as best they could, but. How are you going to get an audience to come to this kind of movie? Um, well, the, the easy answer and what they did is they just kind of focused on the cool Godzilla scenes that are that were in the movie. Those and, were that's what most of the trailer was. And then we'll yeah. get them. Then we'll get them after they. Uh, in in the Toho in. tradition, uh, the kaiju's are are there to get people into the seats, but they don't fill out the runtime of the movie because they those scenes are more expensive. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And this movie was uh this was a pretty thin a pretty slick slim production uh coming in at 15 million. Yeah, it it looks really good for that budget. The CG is kind of like it's got that weird cheap look to it that mm -hmm. you see in a lot of uh movies produced in the Asian territories. Uh specifically China's got a particular quality to its CG. This wasn't quite the same, but it has there's a certain look about it where yeah, it's not it's, um, it's not composited into the scene as well as it could it, be it's like rubbery almost i don't know how to describe it like uh, i just i have the imdp page open up and um they just did the uh where he like bites the tra the train the train car yeah. yeah and his like face stretches weirdly and he's i don't know it's like it feels like you can you can pull him and he'll stretch like a like, like rubber Armstrong, rubber Armstrong, like toy. Stretch Armstrong. Uh, stretch Armstrong toy, and 
Yeah, so that's, I don't know how, how to describe something like that, but yeah, that's the best way I can do it. Um, they but did, uh, honestly, yeah, like the human story in this is like a a very legitimately well told, uh, you know, like examination story, yeah. of survivor's guilt and post traumatic stress disorder and the impact that can have on people. Um, <laughs> and it's it's really it's really funny that like. Well, it's it's it. I, I'm not saying like one's better than the other, but uh, and both movies can exist because I think they serve slightly different audiences. But the difference between Toho's approach to a Godzilla movie, at least in this era of Godzilla movie, um, and Warner Brothers' approach is is quite drastic. Yeah, and. Um, I think it's. I think this is good for that. That this is doing well in American audiences right before a new MonsterVerse movie is coming out, because uh, it, it. I think it's going to give uh, American moviegoers a a bit of a different perspective on Godzilla, and mm-hmm. I think that will kind of enhance their appreciation of uh, some of the other. Or it might get people more interested in watching older Godzilla stuff and learning more about some of these monsters. Yeah, yeah. Some where, where Godzilla is really strongest is when they have a good human side story um, to it, and Godzilla becomes a backdrop and more representative of like a critique of Japan. Yeah, like just how or, Shin Godzilla, yeah. um, you know, it was goofy, and whenever the Godzilla showed up, it was always like, "What form is it going to be?" and what goofy shit is he going to do now? And that was kind of representative of how it was. That was just the crisis and Japan was trying to respond and the bureaucracy and, and kind of lack of leadership was what was Japan's downfall. Not really necessarily Godzilla, but the response to it. So when this Godzilla shows up, it's, it's, oh, it's different. It's a different yeah. kind of thing. Cause so like, he's more yeah. aggressive. He's more, angry at people he's like a natural disaster yeah yep at the same time he's also like a wrestling heel i felt like (laughs) um in the way of just like because he's because they pulled focus to kind of uh have him in the role of almost almost as a narrative device rather than a a character and the the central point of the film like he turns into they just because of his role in the movie he can be Godzilla gets to be his most sinister, his most villainous, his most I'm going to fuck your day up whether you like it or not. See, uh, I to me I kind of had a different read on Godzilla in this movie where I I feel like like I said he's more of like a force of nature. Like he's not he doesn't have any clear motivation for the things he does. Um he just shows up and destroys I, then, I think about that, but then I see things like the um, the first chase scene, which also this part of why this movie is so effective is it it's really sells the you're fucked angle of having to fight Godzilla. My favorite part of this movie, and I like I turned it into a game, is uh, like they always ask the question like, did we get it? Did we get him? And the answer is invariably no. No. <laughs> <The answer's> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is why in these movies like at the end like it's so cathartic but regardless like, as you're ratcheting up this tension like and again they sell this whole idea of you're just so fucked is they uh it's a little into the movie but they're on a fishing boat and they're sweeping for mines after the war 
and this, this little baby tiny wooden tugboat <laughs> and Godzilla fucking rears up about 30 feet behind them and is like chasing them. That scene, like that collection of scenes with Godzilla and the boat, it was just like <laughs> the director was like, I really like Jaws. So I'm going to put Jaws in my movie right quick. Jawzilla. <laughs> Because it and was almost the exact same. I'm, I was shocked that none of them made a "we're gonna need a bigger boat" joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was definitely a lot of inspiration. If this were an American movie, yeah. they definitely would have had that joke in there. Yeah. Um. And I, I don't know. Well, I, I I'm not gonna spoil so, it. But the, the way he acts in that scene, both towards that ship and what happens a little after that. That does give me that feeling of like he is he is out to get you. He's like that's yeah. the, the malice, and that kind of sets him up as a really good antagonist for our uh, the hero of our story because it feels like their fight, like it's everyone's fight, but it really is like his fight. Like he's fighting for his future by fighting against Godzilla. Because now the Godzilla is literally a manifestation of his post war trauma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was I was about to say, I'm like, I'm gonna make that I'm gonna make a bit of a reach and read into it a little bit. And what I what I'm thinking about now is that like Godzilla's kind of like because he's such an asshole, I'm like, what kind of emotion can be that big of an asshole? And the best way to describe it is like you, your shame like the how hard you are on yourself and your shame of of not living up to your potential or something that is brutal to be that critical of yourself to to attack yourself in that manner is how Godzilla reacts to Japan on how how just chaotic and mm-hmm. and vitriolic it, it can be uh, just like how this pilot who is this kamikaze pilot um, you know, I don't know if it chickens out is the right word, but he, yeah, you know, he, he chooses he eventually, life. yeah, he chooses, chooses life. life over over trying to. He's afraid of dying. Like he, he doesn't want to die, and I don't think that's a. He treats that because, as a well, partially, abnormal thing. Partially because his family said, "Come back to us. I want my boy back alive." That's true. Yeah, yeah, and so it's it's a. That's where like this kind of movie does explore some of the the themes of like wartime and post like in the reconstruction japan which is it was honestly some of the most interesting parts of the movie to me is kind of like seeing obviously a fictionalized perspective of it but like general citizen sentiments towards the japanese government in this era and like you know a lot of them complain about how cheaply they they value life and that you know the the honorable death isn't all it's cracked up to be some people exploring that and and Sukishima, uh, uh trying Shikishima, to yeah. Shikishima, trying to uh, uh, reconcile that for himself. But like, his he he doesn't do the kamikaze mission, which in and of itself would be a bit of a dishonor. Um, yep. But he so I guess so this he, is spo- he has this some is spoilers. He, I yeah, would say we're in spoiler territory. The whole movie is is spoilers, other than Godzilla attacks, but um, yeah. because that's a only a part of this movie um a lot of it is it is surprising and, and thrilling um so i'll throw it out right now yes go watch this movie it's it's up it's top tier godzilla it's um, yeah it's a pretty good like even if you're not into godzilla or kaiju it's honestly just a really well told movie about like some of these themes 
mm-hmm. like uh, you know, survivor's guilt and post-traumatic stress disorder and all that sort of thing. Um, Living with your regrets, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, back to to where we were at here. So he he goes to Odo Island because he he doesn't want to go through with his kamikaze mission, and he pretends there's a fault with his plane. Um, and it's implied that he's he's flown combat missions before. Or, but he didn't see much action, and he's got skill as a pilot. Um, but like his real trauma from war is when Godzilla attacks Odo Island, and he doesn't shoot. And uh, not that, not that I, I think we all know the audience knows that it wouldn't have done shit to save them, and he'd be just as dead. But that eats away at him. That's his trauma, and like everyone else. But him and uh, the the one mechanic who comes back at the end, Toronobu or whatever, um, mm. survive that. So he has like this survivor's guilt, not only from not doing his kamikaze mission, like that's like I shouldn't even be alive. Number one, shouldn't be alive. Number two is I survived this Godzilla attack despite you know fleeing or because I fled. So he's got yeah. that to grapple with. And because he's carrying all this emotional baggage, he can't really let himself move on with his life until he conquers his demon, which in this case is literally manifested as a 20,000-ton giant lizard. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. That nails it right on the head. And uh, you can tell early on that the director trusts the audience that, like, they don't have to go through. That's a really good point. Like, Like, he doesn't have to tell the They trust you with subtext. Yeah, they trust you yeah. with subtext, and they trust you like that's they show it early on because Godzilla shows up like a fucking bear rummaging through your trash. Like they hear <laughs> something in the base at night, and he's like, "Johnson, shine What's a light that? on it." <laughs> and they pull up spotlight, and holy fuck, it's a ten foot lizard <laughs> eating our boat supplies. <laughs> what the hell is this thing? And then it just rampages, and it's it's a little smaller, but. It's, well, it doesn't. So it's interesting because, like, Godzilla, this is why I kind of like don't necessarily agree with the sinister aspect of it. Like, he shows up like an animal looking yeah, for food. Case, yeah. And he's not aggressive until he's fired upon. And, like, any animal that has a negative what? experience with a human because of aggression, they're going to lash out at that when they see well, it again. Mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, I don't know. Because his first attack was when they shined a light on him and it screamed at them and he ran towards the light and bashed it out of the way. Then he started sniffing around for food and, and sniffing around and then they shot him. So kind of, kind of yes, kind of no. It's hard to really it also, pinpoint. Well, it also ties into that they do still show, they show a little bit, just in a montage, the, the nuclear reason why yeah. he's gigantic is because of all the bikini uh, toll testing. And... You know, you could argue like, okay, he was just his own uh, thing before then, but he also has a hatred of uh, the humans in there somewhere. You know. Yeah, because he got he got bombed, and, and I don't know that probably did some damage to him. So now he's out for revenge on. Well, turned him um, turned him well, into the monster. Turned him into Godzilla. <laughs> well, it kind of turned him. Yeah, I don't know if it turned him into it or if it like because. It either fed him in classic or lore. Him to in classic him. lore, it, it created a mutation that led to Godzilla. I don't know it if that's the current story. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually the uh, it's 
not to get into spoiler territory of Monarch Legacy of Monsters, but um, they, they do have a scene where Godzilla shows up on Bikini Island, on the Bikini <laughs> Islands, and they they drop a they explode a nuke right in his face because he's drawn to the nuclear energy, right. the nuclear like radiation. Mm-hmm. So he goes up to a bomb and like goes to sniff it and eat it, and they blow it up in his fucking face, <laughs> and they think they killed it, but. I think that he just got bigger. Which, judging by this movie, shit, is <laughs> about the same. But no, um, yeah, like, and so he got all these really good dramatic irony where he survives the death of his, like, his comrades, comes back home, and learns that the parents who wanted to come him to come back home alive, they're dead because of the, the firebombings. And the first person he sees is, like, his neighbor who's like, oh... <laughs> if it wasn't for y- people like you, you fucking pussy asshole, we would have won the war. And it's just like, you know she's just speaking out of her grief, but yeah. it still hurts like hell to have someone who's who should be like, welcome home, I'm so sorry, is like, no, this is actually just literally your fault. I hate you now. Yeah. Um, But he, through the first act, you know, he finds his, he makes a little found family of the cast-offs. Yeah, and, and the, they kind of scraps it together. He finds work, and and they enjoy time of relative prosperity, which is why I didn't feel as bad when their lives got horribly fucked up. Because I'm like, uh, yeah. at least they had a little bit, and I wasn't sure <laughs> if like it was firebombing or like nuclear stuff. Because I'm like, well, if it was like a nuke site, they're all going to be dead in five years of radiation <laughs> poisoning anyway. So better the quick death at the hands of Godzilla than the slow and painful one at the hands of cancer. <laughs> Yeah, they never mentioned Hiroshima or Nagasaki, so I'm assuming it was just normal. They kept calling it air raids. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, his parents died during the air raids. They probably so assuming... didn't want to specify it, honestly. Uh, yeah, it could be. I mean, but then again, if it was the location of where they're talking about, I feel like, would also give you an idea of what actually happened there. Like, Also, everyone if... in Giza's dead, because apparently... Godzilla's atomic breath is literally an atom bomb and yeah, radiates yeah. everything. The, timeline, the timeline's gonna run a little bit different now. <laughs> um but yeah, like and you he's like he makes it and the, you have the first fight with Godzilla where they make it out by the fucking skin of their teeth. Um and what a great scene. With of, with a very Jaws out. uh ending there where he shoots the mine uh yep. out of its head. And then the destroyer shows the the warship shows up, and yeah. he fucking and Godzilla like that's what you want. He lays into that thing like he walks up to it and starts like just he reaches in for the fucking crunchy insides. Yeah, he starts like, trying to rip at it, and the cannons are still shooting at him. And they like score and, like two really good shots, and it it saves the the ship. But you know yeah, he's gonna be like, back. <laughs> it's like bear spray. That's about what a point-blank warship cannon did to Godzilla. And you're like, yeah, that tracks. That feels right. <laughs> that feels about right. <laughs> um, so then then you start, it just keeps ramping up where, like, and then it's the personal stuff, too, where, like, they're ramping up, and this tension is now here. And it's like it could come back, and it's in his life. And then you learn, like, he didn't get married to the, like, the the woman who he took in, even though they're, like, basically a family at this point. He's just yeah. like, nope, I'm not. And actually. It's, it's clear he they goes, love each he other. He goes to his little, the little kid, and he's like, I'm actually not. Don't call me your father. I'm not your daddy. 
and she just starts fucking crying because of course she does. Yeah, you're the dude who's been in her life all this time. And and he and uh, his not wife Noriko kind of like get into it, and then he wakes up and he's like, you know what? Maybe she's right. Maybe I should just put the past away and live a little bit, and you know, accept today. these set these people into my life, and you know, not not let my past haunt me and then literally the demon from his past shows up and destroys the city that his not wife is working in yep. absolute to- and presumptively again, another, kills her another top tier city destruction scene it's like the one big one and they at least they at least they went for it like he is he cracks he destroys the pavement with every step he takes like turning a, him the act of him looking around yeah. means that several hundred buildings are crumbling. There's the one news team on the roof. The, like, bro, you're in the worst possible situation, but goddamn the balls on these guys to be... Well, they have to know. be up there to get the pictures. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, Godzilla doesn't even, like, attack them. He just, like, turns the look at something else in his tail clips the bottom third of the building, which destabilizes it, and the roof collapses, and they all die. Yeah. <laughs> and then... um. I, again, I like Toho's um, depictions of the atomic breath. I, they're so much more impactful than Warner's. Yeah. Like with Warner's, yeah, it's a huge laser that's like the big his big weapon. But like, bro, in Toho, like in in Shin Godzilla, where it had to it had to like warm up and like leveled an entire city, that was huge. And in this one, where he lets it go, and the big damage was the giant nuclear shock wave that comes out. Well, yeah, the beam, like, incinerates anything it touches. And then at the end of this beam, you see a mushroom cloud. (laughs) And then, like, a 50-megaton explosion (laughs) results and blows everyone away. And and Noriko shoves him into a hallway to protect him, and she goes flying off to her presumptive death. She just disappears. (laughs) She is unalived. (laughs) You presume for... I mean, you presume. um, Again, you've... This is spoiler section. If you haven't watched this, what are you doing here? You're ruining for yourself. But yeah, and then he crawls out, and the bl- the black nuclear rain comes down, and you're like, yeah, all right, yeah, this is this is about the pits of of what <laughs> could happen. Yeah, fucking hell. Yeah. Look, look, this motherfucker needs to die. This guy needs to he needs to go. Um, and then it just yeah, it just keeps ramping up where the. You have the big the big scene at the end. What a great I love these scenes where the climax is it's just it's the same thing as original Star Wars, right? Where the climax was just pulling off the operation. Yeah. You know, it's And it was the, it was a really neat like plan too. Like we're gonna sink Godzilla to the bottom of the deepest yeah. sea that we can to crush him under the pressure. And if that doesn't work, we're going to fucking give him the bends real bad. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's really good because like in it's 1940s, right? So you can't do like an oxygen destroyer. You can't do a super laser ray. You have to, you like, how do you make a science solution that the oxygen destroyer, uh, fucking works so well for them too. It didn't create an even nastier kaiju. No, sir. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so very good use, very good thinking. And there's, there's all this good drama in there where it's all the Navy guys. Did you ever watch the movie battleship? (laughs) No, I, it's a bad digression. So I, 
I saw. I think I saw bits and pieces of it. Is that the one where they bring in like all these old navy? Yes, yes. That's, that's where I was getting at. Was like, yeah. there's a scene in that where they bring in all the old navy vets to man the old battleships, and it's like, oh, look at the guys, look at the troops. Whereas like in this one, it's like, no, I have a family to go take care of. <laughs> yeah. The admiral's like, I, I get it. Like, but I, can, I literally cannot ask any. We of you might to do not this. have. Fa- none of us might have families if we don't stop this monster. Yeah, and like. Yeah. Those scenes, I'm like, I was, I, I, I should mention, like, these were, these were like actual visceral emotions that come through. And I'm, oh like, no, I'm like, people were like oh crying at the end of the movie, like when when they the, when they stick the the maybe happy ending at the end where he and Noriko mm-hmm. are, are reunited, but she's got some black sludge coursing through her veins. Yeah. Um, not sure what the implication there was, but like people were like crying <laughs> at the reunion scene in the theater. Yeah, like I mean, it was um, a, it was definitely emotional. Ham- sure. Hamabe San and Kiki San. <laughs> it's so they nail it. Great performances. So actually, you know, that kind of reminds me of a parallel between this and Napoleon, or like a good juxtaposition. That movie relies so heavily on you like buying into the the relationship and the love between Napoleon and Josephine. Um, and it fails miserably in that this movie works without any of that, like relationship drama, but it still pulls that off better to where you feel more strongly for this couple than the movie that yeah. spent its entire two and a half hour runtime trying yeah. to get you to care. And they're not even married. Like they're yeah. not even married. They have like, they haven't even kissed. <laughs> And you feel such a strong connection for one another, and you understand that it's like he can't let himself love, but she like secretly wants this, but she can't put that on him, and he's like a, such a tough, has such yeah. a tough shell to get through. He can't, he can't, you know, express how he's feeling, um, and oh, just towards the end when he's like, dude, yeah. it, I don't the... know if it's like the dad in me now, but. It, <laughs> The when, <laughs> when they're at the makeshift funeral for the for the mom, mm-hmm. the, oh yeah, pseudo mom, and and the little girl is like, "Where's mommy?" Like, You're like, oh, she's, oh. and she just starts crying. Like, it wasn't the best child actor. It but was like, like she just starts crying like she misses her mom. Dude, it fucking got It's me. like that I one episode was... of Batman Beyond where you're like, can we have a seance to talk to dad? And you're like, oh my God, I forgot that this is an eight-year-old child who's had his father killed. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, just absolute waterworks. Uh, gut-wrenching shit. And yeah. that's, that's the tension of the climax is, I kind of, I, I'm pretty sure I knew what was going on, but I didn't want to, I suspended my disbelief for the whole climax because there's this huge tension of like, is he going? Is uh, is um, Shikishima? Uh, sorry, Shikishima gonna choose? Is he gonna choose life, or is he just gonna like? Is it, does he really? <laughs> is he done? Like he's got nothing left. He's gonna give it up here, and yeah. they keep that tension until the very last second. Um, yeah, because he he has the bomb, and they have. There's a science plan, but if they fail, he's gonna ride a bomb and do. He's gonna do a kamikaze. Um, yeah. To save Japan, so um, and he was fully expecting to do so. Like that, I think that was the genius of this this ending. Was he was his intent, his intention was fully on. I'm going to Kamikaze. I'm going to leave her with my neighbor, mm-hmm. giving her money. Like I, here's yep. my death note. And, like everything. And then at the very end, it leaves it as a 
surprise for the audience. So, I say surprise because yeah. I think it's true. Like Noda, transparent. Well, yeah, because Noda tells him something, but his character is on was on the side of up to that point. Like you were reading, he's on the side of yeah. You should you should have still died. I still res- I still but hate you. You see, the, the thing about it is like they they put it in your head because they mentioned that they were building fighters without ejector seats. And then they mm-hmm. mentioned that this was a, a high budget fighter jet with all the bells and whistles, which you would think included an ejector seat, at least in my mind. So I'm glad you guys brought this up because this gets into my one uh, very minor criticism of this movie is that like the plot itself is super predictable. Like you can oh, yeah. pick out what's going to happen, like the instant what they're setting up is you can instantly tell the payoff. Like when they're when he has the Minesweeper crew over for dinner and they're taking the picture of Noriko, I'm like, that's going to be like the last picture of her or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. And it was the picture. It was, in fact, the last Bold picture bold. of her. Yeah. Um, and like I knew when, uh, you know, they were. I didn't know like exactly right at the time with the plane that there was going to be an ejector seat in it and that's what he was going to do. But by the time it got to uh, Toronopu kind of like talking to him, I was pretty sure that's where it was going. Um, And when he finally was going to fly into Godzilla's mouth, I'm like, yeah, he's not dying. The music choice would not support that. (laughs) And props to the fucking score on this movie. Like used exactly where it needs to and you silence the rest of the time. That's restraint, and that's discipline, and I really appreciate that in a movie. Um, it, it helps that you didn't have to make as much music for the movie, too. Um, yeah. But, yeah, the climax scene, perfect. This is a better... This was a better everyone shows up to help the team. Uh, suck it, episode nine. <laughs> <laughs> like, people were talking, like, this was definitely, like, a Dunkirk scene. Yeah, uh, um, when the tugboats came up, that was a cool scene. My problem with the scene, though, is they kind of established that there was a uh, a rapidness to this ascension that had to take place in order for it to be effective. And you know it took a while to get all those tugboats connected. So, like, at that point, hasn't he, like, acclimated to the pressure and you're only pulling him up halfway? Yeah, that was a... I mean, that was a smart cut, but yeah, there was no, there was no easy way around that one. I think, I th- yeah, I think. I the, think they uh, wrote the themselves one... into a corner a little bit with that. Well, I think, the, I think it still could technically work. It kind of all depends on how fast they were able to get the tugboats connected. But um, from what I know about um, like decompression, it's stuff, a matter of hours, right? Some, it's it's like hours you have to spend at each like varying depths to uh, like equilibrate. Uh, equalize. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's kind of it's kind of nuts. Like I, I think wasn't there wasn't there something? Uh, well, yes, like, there was a for for like you or me. But we we already saw Godzilla have a mine explode in his mouth and regenerate in twenty seconds. So yeah. I figure that I, there had to be a little bit more quickness to this guy. <laughs> I guess I guess it d- kind of depends on, um, on on Godzilla's anatomy. <laughs> yeah. So, I but I guess kind of towards the end we figured out that like even if they did bring him up like right away or if he was being affected by it it wasn't fully taking effect it was kind of taking an effect on him right it weakened him like, enough he was, for the final he was blow. freaking out a little bit but i guess the uh pressure stuff that that did happen to him was yeah i yeah there was it was a great final release of tension where the plan of the science the science plan everyone working together 
our hero finally resolving his conflict, and then the one little miracle of, I assume that Godzilla was, he was charging up his nuclear blast, and I assume that, we'll, we'll assume that was the final straw. That was the last thing that did it, was all of those things together led yeah. him to his ultimate defeat. Um, and then, you know, after it, the, the resolution, I, it, part of me says it was a little cheap that she's, that, um, uh, uh, Noriko was, Oishi San was alive, but they earned that. Fuck, I don't give a fuck. They earned that. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, in some ways, I agree with that assessment, but the, I think they did it in such a way where you kind of play both sides because they're like, there's no way she's just like, back scot-free after that and she wasn't or at least it's heavily implied that there's something nasty lurking within her um and then of course we see godzilla that yeah i I wanted them to put that in the credits that's like if i go watch the movie i want the cut that stops and doesn't put that stinger in there because that was that killed the tension for me at the end that was my that was my one gripe but like well i see the thing about it is that you know Godzilla minus one is a prequel. Like you know this is set much earlier in the, the Godzilla timeline. So like I figured when they blew his head up, I'm like, okay, and now he's gonna have to regenerate for like seventy years or some shit like that. Um mm-hmm. and maybe it does take a long time, but like I think everyone kinda knew Godzilla will return, so he, he's gonna come back from this, but he's gonna go in his healing coma for a while. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's um, I guess the question is like, is this a prequel to Godzilla nineteen fifty four, like the original one, or is this a prequel to like Shin Godzilla? Um, prequel to all because, of them, baby. <laughs> because technically, um, Shin Godzilla came from like a bay in Japan, and I don't know, and this was kind of like in that bay. I don't know how close this is. Yeah, so it was it. it was right near like Tokyo, right? They were defending Tokyo, mm-hmm. and this was like the final like big bay before you got to Tokyo. And I, I never got around to watching Shin Godzilla, but I believe Godzilla emerges from Tokyo Bay in that movie. Right. Not to- yes, it emerges from Tokyo Bay. The one they sync computer was uh, Shigami Bay. Which is like one over. It's like yeah. neighbors. Oh, so, oh yeah, Sagami Bay. Okay, yeah, I see. Okay. Or the Sagami Trench. Map of Japan. Yeah. I'm looking at a map of um, Japan right now. I'm trying to figure out where this was. Yeah. yeah it it it's off by a little bit, I think, but it, it could work still if this. Well, it's like... it's it's close enough to where you could viably say because the the idea was that. Godzilla was was marching to take Tokyo. They considered Tokyo part of its its territory, so mm-hmm. it's not an unreasonable jump to make. Okay, he regenerated and he's made his way to Tokyo and and found a more direct path underwater there or something like that. Yeah. <coughs> um. So I know when I watch the movie again, I'll probably just I I'll just. Slice that part out of the movie. So my big criticism of, of a lot of these end credit scenes is that they they should have been like the last scene in the movie. So I can't really, without sounding like a hypocrite, I can't really criticize Shin Godzilla or Godzilla Minus One for doing exactly what I feel should be done in most of these cases and have it be the last scene of the movie. And I think it works fine because it is the last scene of the movie 
and Godzilla is like a horror disaster type thing. And that's pretty common in that genre to have like the the villain go bump again to like keep the fear that oh they're still out there. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but that's uh, that's Godzilla. Yeah, that's really good movie. I I'd highly strong. recommend it. Um, Absolutely. And uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Sad and Stuff Podcast. Until next time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye-bye.